You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Show, the leading word in pharmacy. You can find all of our episodes at www.pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, this is Frank Grosso, Vice President of Pharmacy Services with Genesis Healthcare, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast's Long-Term Care Pharmacy Segment with host Dana Savile, President of Pharmacare Strategies. Pharmacare Strategies offers on-site and remote pharmacy management consultation to institutional pharmacies with an emphasis on improving prescription volume, customer satisfaction, and pharmacy profitability. And now, here's our host, Dr. Dana Saffel. Well, good day to all the listeners, and I am so happy that we have a a individual with us with a really unique practice of long-term care pharmacy. Today, we have Frank Grosso, who's the Vice President of Pharmacy Services for Genesis Healthcare. Frank, thanks a lot for coming on and joining us today. You're welcome. So, Frank and I have known each other for quite some years. We've both been very active in the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. I believe that's where I first ran into Frank. And I know Frank has had a a long and varied career in long-term care pharmacy. So, Frank, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today and kind of some of the things that you do in your role at Genesis Healthcare that's very unique. Well, over the years, I have uh, run, started running an independent pharmacy many years ago and then worked up into a uh, chain organization where we serviced long-term care pharmacies. So I worked on the operator side of the business. I was a dispensing pharmacist and a consultant along the way. Um, I then moved on to Genesis uh, about 20 years ago. And um, Genesis, I also ran pharmacies when Genesis owned Neighbor Care, so I was an operating officer at that point, and uh, then left Genesis um, and did some independent consulting, and then was hired back as a contract manager, basically, to manage the services that uh, Genesis purchased after they sold their pharmacy. So I manage all the purchases and the... Uh, regulatory issues that come up. Now, are those purchases primarily pharmacy purchases, or do you look at other things besides the pharmaceuticals and consulting services that Genesis is involved with purchasing? I do primarily pharmacy services. Um, Occasionally, I might look into MedB and some supplies, but uh, probably 98% of my time is spent either overseeing clinical pharmacy services as provided by the various vendors or um, purchasing and Part D services, things of that nature. Now, is this a relatively common activity for nursing home chains to have somebody in your position that's overseeing their contracted pharmacy services like this? It has evolved over about the last uh, seven or eight years um, where large nursing home chains employ someone to manage the contract, uh, both from a reimbursement perspective and from a service perspective. So, yeah, as far as the industry goes, it is relatively new, seven, eight years, um, and I have probably about a dozen counterparts across the country that I talk with on a regular basis. So if I were a an independent uh, long-term care pharmacy and I wanted to approach 
uh, nursing home chain or a Genesis type of organization for maybe providing services in an area of the country that you did not already have contracted out. It would be good for me to know about someone in your position to be able to make sure that I'm working with you, I presume, to uh, to meet your needs. Yes, it would. Um, usually all pharmacy contracts go through uh, someone in my position in uh, the national chains. Wonderful. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today, because I've always been fascinated about your role working for the nursing home chain to make sure that the contracted pharmacy is providing good services, but a few years ago you were talking to me about an idea that you had about putting a, a Genesis-employed consultant pharmacist in some of your nursing homes and, and having that person on a, a very close to full-time basis in two or three nursing homes. And I was wondering if you could share with our listeners how you arrived at that decision and, and what some of the benefits you're seeing from having your own consultant pharmacist in a facility for, for many hours a week. Well, the how is uh, really the way the industry has changed as we've seen shorter stay patients, higher acuity patients in our centers. Um, the traditional consultant coming in once a month was not sufficient. In some buildings, um, if they only came in once a month, um, they might miss 100 patients. Uh, to give you an example of the volume of turnover. So, and also these are fast-moving patients. Um, they they need to be seen and evaluated quickly. So it is not the traditional consultant role that we use the pharmacist for. It is truly a clinical role. They they function very similar to a clinical pharmacist would in a hospital setting. That's great. So, um, so, so give give me an example. You've got a, uh, some nursing homes. I know Genesis has been focused on developing their short-stay Part A rehabilitative services. So I know the average nursing home has about 15% of their residents under a Part A given stay at any given time. But you guys, you channel a lot more of these short-term uh, residents through than the average nursing home. So what would be the number of Part A patients or percent of Part A patients that you think makes putting this clinical pharmacist in the building um, economically feasible? I think you have to be in the area of a 100-bed building running roughly 80, 75 to 80% short-stay patients. So this is really like a rehabilitation facility or a transitional care facility that you're, and when you're putting this pharmacist in here, is he in the building, is he in that one nursing home every day, or do you have that person spread out across several facilities? It depends It depends on the uh, area and where the facilities are and their evolution of, of developing their short-stay um, census. Um, a, a building that runs 70 75% short-stay would have a dedicated consultant or clinical pharmacist on site every day, Monday through Friday. Now, when that person is in the building and they have that clinical role of really managing this short-stay um, 
resident and getting them ready to be discharged back to their home or to another care setting, does that person also perform the traditional consultant pharmacist requirements or is that something that you hire from your contracted pharmacy provider? We hire the regulatory compliance uh, component, the, the chart reviews, the monitoring of labs. We usually hire that out from the vendor pharmacist. This is an ad- pharmacy. This is an additional layer of clinical services. Um, it also depends on how the physicians are staffed in a building like this. If there's a full-time uh, medical staff in the buildings, which some of our buildings have, um, this clinical pharmacist does rounds every morning. Um, they're doing admission um, interviews and possibly um, discharge interviews with family members. So they become an integral part of the care delivery team in those mature buildings. Excellent. Well, this is certainly a different level of service in a long-term care facility than what most people are accustomed to. Um, was there a particular impetus that drove you to develop this model when you were uh, you've been with Genesis for a number of years, and I'm sure you are constantly looking at ways that you can have a positive impact on outcomes and the pharmaceutical budget. So what was it that drove you to to consider this? Well, it's actually been relatively recent, only within the last uh, two years that we have looked at this clinical pharmacist model. And the the driving factor is how can we reduce rehospitalizations? How can we um, intervene because so many rehospitalizations are the result of medication misadventures. So how do we begin the process, not when the drug is in the building, but having someone look at the admission documents coming from the hospital along with the um, physician staff or nurse practitioner, and they really begin to take part of the patient's care plan from day one. So it's a, uh, and the reason I say is the patient outcome. How can we reduce rehospitalizations? How can we have a better um, uh, patient satisfaction uh, response? Because when you're dealing in short-stay buildings, patient satisfaction is, is key to success because you want to establish in a community the value that you have, and that goes from patient to patient when they're going home. That couldn't have been better put. Um, thank you for bringing up the whole rehospitalization issue because, as we know, that has already hit hospitals and they're being measured and penalized if their their readmission rates are higher in at least the three uh, initial targeted diseases and pneumonia and um, myocardial infarction and I um, what is the other one? I think it's stents. But I, I, we know that if people are discharged to any environment, particularly to a, a rehab facility, and then they are rehospitalized for that same condition within 30 days, that rate is now being measured and hospitals are being penalized with their Medicare reimbursement. So, so the fact that you guys were already ahead of the game and implementing strategies to help reduce that is excellent. I, I'm, that's very impressive. Um, do you... Do you have specific disease states that you focus on? I know um, one of the diseases I'm involved in consulting with is appropriate management of COPD, but of course diabetes and um, prevention of thrombosis are also very important conditions to measure when we have someone being 
uh, brought back into our long-term care facilities from a hospitalized stay. But is there is there a particular diseases that that consultant pharmacist is uh, needs to be particularly skilled in? Um, I'd say no at this point because it is such a variety of patients that come through. There is a high prevalence of diabetes and the associated problems with long-term diabetics. So circulatory, respiratory are, are things that are uh, an area of concern and expertise that is needed. But with the volume of changes the patient's coming through, you really have to be a generalist. You need to be able to um, look at the unique as well as the common as you're reviewing patients. And uh, the, the level of cognitive ability varies as well. Um, patients as old as 100 years old coming in for a short stay and going home, as well as, yeah, you know, young seniors being in their early 60s coming in for a short stay and going home. So it's a, it's a wide variety of, of patients that the clinical pharmacist sees. Do, do your, um, does your clinical pharmacist also administer some of the assessments, such as the geriatric depression scale or a, a cognitive assessment that's in addition to what's available on the MDS? Are they actively involved in administering some of those assessments? We are in the process of investigating that um, as to where and how it is best done because you have a whole admission team and you have social workers and you have nurses and you have a nurse practitioner and a physician. So they say it is really evolving as to where we maximize our efficiency, whether it is the uh, nurse social worker who does some of the assessments or if it's particular to a drug and a, a, a symptom of a medication, it may be the pharmacist that administers it. So it's really, um, like I say, it is fast moving and uh, we are really evolving with how we segment responsibilities in this environment. So if there is a pharmacist in your area, and I know that this is targeted areas of the Genesis system that you are employing this unique model. But if there's a pharmacist that has an interest in doing something like this, going beyond the traditional regulatory consultant pharmacist requirements and being more like a on-site clinical pharmacist in a hospital, rounding with physicians in this rehab setting, how, how would you uh, recommend that that person uh, find out about opportunities like this? Um, you got me on that one. I, I really <laughs> have to think about that a little bit. Um, it's, not, um, it's not a common position in the industry. Um, I can tell you that when I was recruiting for the two positions, I had a difficult time attracting people, which really was surprising to me because being a pharmacist, if this were 30 years ago and I was getting out of school, it would be the job to die for um, because of the exposure that you would have in a, in a relatively small environment. It's not like practicing in a large hospital, but you, you encounter many of the same things. But I had a real challenge trying to identify pharmacists who would commit to the rigorous schedule and to um, the long-term care environment. That's very interesting because, like you, if this had been available 30 years ago when I got out of pharmacy school, I would have jumped at it in a heartbeat. This is practicing mm -hmm. pure clinical pharmacy in a population that is so needy 
uh, and, and can benefit so greatly from improved medication management. Um, it, it, to me, it's, it has to be one of the most fulfilling opportunities in long-term care pharmacy these days. And it's been exciting to have you on the show and have a chance for our listeners to learn a little bit about what I consider a very innovative approach to, to long-term care pharmacy and, and clinical pharmacy with a geriatric specialty. So again, thank you, Frank, for coming on this afternoon and sharing a little bit about your, your innovative pilot program you have going on at some of the Genesis Healthcare facilities. You know, in, in closing, Dana, one of the things I would like to mention is that the the position is both clinical and financial. It's really understanding both the clinical impact of, of your interventions and being able to assess financial impact within a nursing home organization. It's uh, That's probably one of the major differences between a clinical pharmacist in a hospital setting versus a clinical pharmacist in a nursing home setting or long-term care. So people who are interested, I would encourage them to really understand the nursing home regs, um, but also really understand the economics and how the clinical interventions can sometimes cost money but end up with better results and other ways reduce cost with better results. But having that understanding is, is critical to someone I would consider in the position. That's, that's a very good point. And maybe I can sum that up with uh, an example that, and you tell me if this fits the bill, I was doing some consulting with a long-term care pharmacy provider and we realized that they were sending out on all of their, almost all of their rehab patients that were being readmitted back from the hospital uh, were on a low molecular weight heparin product and that product seemed to be extended for their entire life of their stay, even if it was 90 days, and without any kind of evaluation that was apparent about whether they were ambulatory now and no longer needed the low molecular weight heparin product. and we. We actually looked at it, and some patients need that because they're not uh, getting ambulatory as rapidly as we would like, and we need to prevent uh, a thrombosis from occurring, whereas other other patients, other residents are actively involved in their rehab, and, and, and in a week, they're walking around and, and very mobile, and in which case, it probably needs to be reevaluated. Would that be kind of an example of how a clinical need would have a pharmacoeconomic impact? Absolutely. That's one of the key elements is that, you know, that clinical pharmacist works with the rehab department identifying when the the patient is actively involved in his rehab, when they can taper off the low molecular weights, in addition to trying to determine when they were started on products in the hospital. Many times a 10-day order coming into a nursing center is rewritten from a chart and the 10 days start over again and the five days that they were on in the hospital sometimes get missed. So it's good clinical, but it's also playing some uh, archaeologists or going back in time and figuring out what happened before they came to the building and how do we get them off the medication as quickly as possible with the most positive outcome and discharge. Well, my mantra has always been the most expensive drug is the drug that doesn't work. <laughs> 
So when you've got a clinical pharmacist in there making sure that the resident is receiving a therapeutic benefit from everything they take and making sure they don't take things they're no longer receiving a benefit from, then, then we will truly be good stewards of our tax money and our Medicare dollars. I think that's marvelous. So. so thanks again for coming on board. I know we are approaching our time limit while we can still maintain our listeners' attention. So again, thanks a lot. Um, You've been listening to Dana Saffel with the Pharmacy Podcast Long-Term Care segment, and we have been interviewing Frank Grosso, Vice President of Pharmacy Services with Genesis Healthcare, and we have taken a look at some very innovative approaches to managing short-stay rehab patients with the services of an in-house clinical pharmacist. And thank you once again for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Long-Term Care segment. <laughs>